Welcome to Stories We Tell in Bars. Advertisers are falling all over themselves to find a way to sway millennials. Yet, in a great twist of irony, they are the least materialistic generation out there. They DGAF, which I had to look up the first time I heard it because I thought it had something to do with the Air Force. They don't want to accumulate, they don't want to acquire, they want experiences, they want to put good back into the world. Hey, pitch to me, marketers. Woo me. I'm Generation X, and I love stuff. That's a quick shot from the first chapter of my memoir, Stories I Tell in Bars, available on Amazon.com and platforms everywhere, and introduces our topic of the day, Millennials versus Generation X. Can we all just get along? I'm Jen Lancaster, a New York Times bestselling author of six novels and nine memoirs. You would think that with nine memoirs, I'd have performed, say, the miracle on the Hudson, safely landing a 747 with zero casualties, but you would be wrong. I am joined today by DJ Lee Farmer, who's providing our music and making us sound good. Now, because this podcast is stories we tell in bars, I would like to introduce the yin to my yang, my friend for more than a decade, the smartest person I know, and the other host of this show, Gina B. I feel bad for you if I'm the smartest person you know, but thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I'll <laughs> well, just call welcome. you Sully from now on, since you. you've obviously okay, performed Okay, can I first explain why you are the smartest person I know? I'd love to know that. Because of one sentence that you say. Gina has a way of explaining to stupid people exactly how stupid they are by summing up whatever stupid thing they're saying by going, so what you're telling me is, explain the so what you're telling me. Okay, so... I don't even really do this consciously, but it just makes sense to me at the time. When someone tells me something that's completely idiotic, I have to regurgitate it back to them so they understand how dumb they sound, right? So like customer service people, um, I think the first time you heard it was I yelling at, um, I was yelling at one of Lee's customer service people, my boyfriend. Um, and, And I just need to just kind of encapsulate it and spit it back at them. And then sometimes I can get them to say, well, yeah, that does sound kind of dumb. And that's really my biggest victory. When they will admit that what they've just told me is bullshit, then I I feel really good about that. That does feel good. Okay, so when you're not making people understand (laughs) how dumb they are, what is it you do? do? Okay, so by day, I'm an executive recruiter. Um, I recruit very, very high-level C-suite executives um, on an independent basis. I'm also a writer. I write for um, the blogging group Six Brown Chicks. And I also write for a local paper, the Chicago Defender. And third thing is I have a company. I have a body products company called Naturals by Gina B, which um, began with a product that I love called Kiss My Ash and just went from there. So that's what I do. Which is the only reason that I did not have Gator Paws for the last two winters running. Yay. One of my best customers. Uh, Jen, I think we're going to get into the happy hour portion of our show with a toast. What are you drinking today? I think today I'm going to have a nice glass of peppery Zinfandel. I love a nice glass of red wine. And I am starting Whole30, so right now I am drinking, I'm holding it out because I am old, Trader Joe's Alkaline Water Plus Electrolytes. Oh, alkaline water is great for you. Yeah. (laughs) Way better than Zinfandel. (laughs) I I think I'll keep mine, but thanks. Um, But I'd I'd like to propose a toast to the greatest generation. 
Generation X. Outstanding. Okay, so I opened this book and began the show thinking about millennials. As a proud member of Generation X, I was recently told that if I wanted to continue having a writing career, that I had to stop everything that I had been doing and I had to start catering to this age group. What do you think about that, Gina? This age group who buys nothing. Yes. This age group? Okay, and, and not only that, but would they be the only people who actually read? So, you know, Generation X people actually have leisure time because <laughs> we're sitting around enjoying our thing, so I think that's actually bullshit. I absolutely agree. You remember yeah. that I had this big memoir contract and I walked away from it not long ago and that was 100% a millennial thing. I I had sold this book about um, about family and it all came about because I took this DNA test and I found out that our family is built on a house of lies and I am not <laughs> half British at all. There's actually quite a bit of... Um, there's quite a bit of Jewish in me. So I wanted to write sort of a, a comical look at the things about my family that shape me the way I am. And my editor wanted me to write a Glass Castle memoir. Which is not your family. No. What, they made me clean the pool? What, what was I supposed <laughs> to do with that? Yeah, it is like you just walked down the street one day and saw your homeless parents. Um, you know, that's Glass Castle. That's not your life. Um, right. So I, I just, I feel like... Everyone's too politically correct, too polite. No one wants to bring anything up. Everyone's sensitive. Um, you can't, don't utter a word about, about the LGBT community, otherwise people will jump directly down your throat. Um, you know, you, you just, you have to be so careful right now. And I think a lot of that's driven by millennials because they're such a sensitive generation. And we're clearly not. Right, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that is a terrible thing, but I think that... In a lot of ways, the pendulum has has swung too far back, and we're at the point where we're censoring ourselves. And as a writer, I that bothers me. Well, it's not genuine, and and that's the part that bothers me. If 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 you're writing memoirs, they should really reflect what actually happened, as opposed to the frosted version right. of what happened, or just sort of bastardizing your life, which I don't agree with at all. Well, Fletch and I were watching, um, we, are, we are catching up on Arrested Development, so we were re-watching the third series, and the third season, and last night we were watching the episode where Charlize Theron plays a, a, a mentally handicapped woman, and we were looking at each other saying, there's no way you could do that now. Mm -hmm. you, you absolutely could not do that now. People would be rioting. Yeah, they would be. First of all, it's handicapable. Isn't it? Isn't that it? I don't know what the right terms are. I just don't say <laughs> things. I don't say anything now because I'm afraid that I'm going to get in trouble. Because you will. And there's going to be a Twitter yeah. war. Don't wage Twitter war on me. Wage Twitter war on the Kardashians. They have people who can handle it. Exactly. If people tweet mean things to me, it's I'm the only person who sees it. Right. And then I'm sad. <laughs> and, and I don't like it. It's unfair. That's super unfair. Now, I have a question for you, yep. going back to your, your your whole experience as an executive okay. recruiter, because you're getting to the point now where you're starting to see millennials getting these higher-level jobs. Do, um, are you seeing like the differences now between the boomers that you used to recruit, the, the, the Gen Xers you work with now, and the millennials? Are you seeing a lot of differences? I'm fortunate so far, because who I'm recruiting are not yet millennials. They're not ready for my level of recruiting. Now the problem is who I'm working with 
can be millennials. And the problem with working with millennials is none of them want to do any low-level jobs. They feel that a lot of these lower-level jobs are beneath them. As a matter of fact, the service industry, um, I hear, is suffering because millennials don't want to do any service work. They don't want to wait any tables. They don't want to. They feel, they feel that that's just ridiculous. Did you ever work a fast food job? I did not. And I didn't because, here's why, my father who knows me very well, told me in the beginning that I didn't have the temperament for it, so he thought that maybe working with food would not be a good idea for me. But I did work in retail. Um, oh, that's pretty bad, too. I, 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 I waitressed. I worked in – my first job was at Hardee's, where they somehow were allowed to pay us – Where the burgers are charcoal broiled. Where the burgers are charcoal broiled, <laughs> and instead of giving employees a shift meal or paying half off, they thought, well, why don't you just – Pay full price for your meal. So I would work, and then I would spend my entire salary that I made in my two hours bringing lunch home. Like, wow, that's that's economics. Like, how does that work? Well, that's when I was at Benetton. I was at Benetton when I was a teenager. You had a good wardrobe. No, I did not. Let me tell you why I didn't have a good wardrobe, because I couldn't afford it. They would make you buy all your sweaters. And a Benetton sweater, when you're like 17 years old is your entire paycheck. Just like you said, I mean, you know, Hardee's for you was like death by a thousand cuts, right? Because the next right. thing you know, you can three ninety nine yourself away. Um, I could take my entire paycheck and deposit it on one of the beautiful sweaters of Benetton. So we would have to borrow them. and But they, they weren't doing anything for us. They were doing absolutely nothing to make us look better when I was a teenager. They didn't care. So what are these service jobs supposed to do now that they can't find people to... To fill them, my husband Fletch always says, just give me a kiosk, let me poke some buttons, and I don't want to have to deal with anyone. Right. Well, I it was funny. I, I had brunch last week um, in this really cute restaurant over in Ukrainian Village. The woman who owns it, she's working like 18 hours a day every day, and she says she does this because she can't find any millennials who will actually be reliable um, to show up and, and actually do a great job, um, you know, she would say that they are ruining the service industry. So, um, you know, from the front lines, that's what people are working their own businesses, um, which I guess isn't a terrible thing, but you should really be able to, you would think that in this economy, you should be able to find people who would want to work, but it's not. Who's, I was just that. talking to someone who, had an incident with a millennial that they had to work a restaurant shift and then they called and said, well, if I work my restaurant shift, mm -hmm. then I'll have to go to my second job and that'll be a 12 hour day for me. So that's not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. This is the same person. Exactly. This is what I was telling you about. She, you know, she's like, look, I <laughs> DGAF. She's like, I work 16 it's not hours the a day all the time. Right. So why should I care if you have to bust your ass for 12 hours? But the fact that that's even a mindset, like I'll tell you what, when I was working retail, when I worked in the water tower, I would kill for, I love to work on a Saturday because working on a Saturday was fun to me. I didn't even care. I was working 10 hours, 12 hours. I mean, we weren't open for 12 hours, but I would work as many hours as they were open because not only was it fun, but I would get a check. And, uh, did you get commission? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. At ups and downs. We did not get commission. No. And we didn't even think to ask for a commission either because we were just so happy to be collecting that paltry amount of money that we made per hour. No. But When I worked at Ups and Downs, I was one of the top salespeople in the entire company, uh -huh. and I was making almost $5 an hour. And I, you would think that I was the vice president of the universe. <laughs> Not the president, but like the vice president. Oh, God. 
Well, you know what? It's, it's just, that's the changing landscape of our life. Unfortunately, the millennials are taking over. We're going to take a quick break with a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we'll get into the binge. I, for one, am tired of being divided. We have individual DNA, multiple countries of origin, and sometimes radically opposing political views. But the one thing we all have in common, we all have skin. And whether your skin tone is dark or light, you deserve healthy, beautiful skin. And that's where Naturals by Gina B comes in. Our products are comprised of ingredients that you can actually pronounce. There are no parabens, no artificial fragrances, yet we have rich, emollient, decadent products that will contribute to beautiful, moisturized skin that will last for hours and actually get better over time. So to learn more about us, please visit us at naturalsbygenab.com. Your skin will love you for it. Welcome back to Stories We Tell in Bars. I'm your host, Gina B., along with Jen Lancaster. And today we're talking about whether or not Gen X and millennials can ever get along. But you know what, Jen? You, you seem to have softened a little bit your stance on millennials. You haven't mentioned a trophy once. What has changed? You know what? I have. I thought that I hated millennials, but it turns out I just hated one millennial. I only knew the one, and unfortunately, she was the person who was in charge of a lot of my career. It was a, a publicity person that I just used to work with, and um, it, if you recall a few years ago, uh-huh. when I ruptured my Achilles, I, had, um, I got into a fight with her 26 emails long over a box of of paper that I had, um, I had signed these end papers to put in books that were going oh, to target. Right. And we, we spent 26 emails arguing about whether or not this box of papers would be safe in front of my house. And I assured her that they would, because we're the not nice house in the neighborhood. And that was when Marcus Limonis used to live in my neighborhood in, oh, yeah. in the nice house. Um, <laughs> So I don't think he was going to come and steal a box of paper with my name on it. I I feel like that was not going to happen. So it turns out I don't hate all millennials. I just hated the one because what I saw with her was she was much more concerned with having completed the task rather than completing a task in a way that was beneficial to the company. And since then, I've actually gotten to know a lot more millennials and I don't want to kick any of them until they're dead. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that you've evolved to that place. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Now in your job, have you, have you run into any millennial horror stories, even though you're not recruiting them yet? Yeah, there's, you know what? She's this, this woman, this girl. I don't know. What do we call what do you, I, what do we call them? Well, what are we allowed to call people who are 26? Cause I'm almost 50 and I call myself a girl. Is that a, is it a hate crime? Like what, what are they called? Yeah, I don't know. People get on us too because we have six brown chicks, and so you know, it's everyone in six brown chicks is upward of thirty-six years old, and you know, people are like, "Why? Why are you calling yourselves chicks?" I'm like, "Because it rhymes with six. Stop. You know, you can't even. Anyway, so this girl, I'm gonna call her a girl because she's twenty-three, and she's an analyst. And when I was an, I was an analyst at some point in my time, and when I was an analyst, I was absorbing everything around me. I knew that the world did not revolve around my opinion. And I knew that 
the way I was going to learn was that I would learn from others who were senior to me and that I would shut my mouth. Okay, <laughs> so this check, we are on a conference call about diversity. Now, let, let's be clear. Corporations don't know what to do about diversity. They think they do when they don't. And, and when you're a diversity person, as I am, when you get on these conference calls, your expectation should not be someone's going to save the world on this conference call because generally the CEO A doesn't know and B to be honest with you he really doesn't care because it doesn't really contribute to his bottom line so you just listen to these things you shut your mouth and you move on not diversity girl so this 23 year old analyst is so cute because you know he's given a speech about what the plans are for diversity which amount to a big fat goose egg and she says well she speaks up on the conference call which there are like 50 people worldwide in this conference call right of varying levels and she's well you know as a diversity person, I just want to know what your plans are going forward to address blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't know what she w said. Wouldn't that. you at 23 have been terrified to address the CEO at all, number one? Absolutely. And number two, to, to then question him? Absolutely. But here's the problem. She was raised with entitlement, and she's, she's, she's from a family that has a lot of money. So... I was of the children should be seen and not heard era. I'm not sure, you know, if that's how you were in your household. But my mother was not having it when I was trying to assert my opinion into adult conversation. So the millennials, I think, people started to all of a sudden care about what they had to say at six. And I, I just, I think that's carried over into their lives now. I think that they believe that everyone at 22 wants to hear their kind of poorly formed opinions. Um, not because they're not smart people, but because they just haven't lived long enough in corporate to really understand how things go. So they almost embarrass themselves in a way, right. but they're not embarrassed. They don't care. Right. So this is what this woman was doing on the phone. And we're all like, can you just please find it in your heart to shut the hell up so we can get back to work, please? I mean, I, I appreciate that she was trying to do good. She was I trying. Mean, I, I have a lot of, I do. I have a lot of respect for how sensitive these kids are because we were not exactly as you recall i mm -hmm. work with i work i work out with a 26 year old trainer who i think is the nicest kid in the world i always say to my husband this kid is everything that our child would not be he's so polite he's so courteous <laughs> he's so respectful so he's everything that we could not produce um and we were i don't know we were working out together probably six months ago and he came in and he was just appalled because he had read this story on the ringer.com and he said did you know that there was there you was a movie like 25 years ago about a guy who put on blackface to go to Harvard and people went and they saw this movie. I said, yeah, it was called soul man. And I saw it and it was a big movie. <laughs> and you know, to, to be honest with you as a black person, I actually, we laughed at soul man. Soul man was hilarious because it were was, we horrified at the time? No. I, I didn't think that we were. Well, we weren't horrified at the time because it was, it, it poked fun at the fact that people felt that if you were a minority back then, all you had to do was be somewhat smart or you could get into these big schools because those like Harvard or the Ivy Leagues because there was no real diversity there. So that was a thing so there was a tongue-in-cheek element there was a big tongue-in-cheek element and okay. it was kind of funny and 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 i don't look back at it and think oh my god he's in blackface i think because i think it was done tastefully and it was done in a way that didn't necessarily piss black people off to a great degree um we could still laugh at it so 
whatever. Yeah, but you don't really see it on the on the channel guides now. It's not one of those things that you see playing over and over again, no. like Sixteen Candles. Although, really, if you think about Sixteen Candles, had some really offensive stereotypes. Oh, long Duck Dong. Yeah, yeah, Donga. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somehow that managed to be a classic. I don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it did. No, uh, question. Okay. Do you think that millennials have had it easier than we did growing up? Now. I think they have had it a lot easier because of access to information. Uh-huh. Growing up in my house, we had one set of encyclopedias from 1959, and I swear to God that they ended with the letter R. So if I had to do a report on, say, Turkey, I was screwed. So what do you think is easier for them than it was for us? Well, okay. So, yes, we, you know, earlier generations had less information but I think the homework was commensurate with the amount of information that we have. I think that as information became more accessible, the homework qualifications became more stringent. I did so, a good half hour of homework a night. Yeah. And that's why my SAT score did not have a <laughs> comma in it. <laughs> I will tell you why. I wish that weren't a joke. <laughs> or I wish that were a joke. See, I don't know. It, there was no comma in my SAT score. That's, that's the whole point, yeah. Um, I think I had a comment in my essay, but that's not the point. Point being that these kids do a lot of freaking homework, a lot of it, like four or five hours, and they have to. Like I could, I could probably kill mine in about an hour and a half and still have time for good television at night. Not these kids. So what they have, they have access. They also have to really, really utilize the access. I think more is expected of them. They. They had better technology, for sure, than we had. Like, I don't even know how we survived without the technology that we have today. Like, how did you meet up with your friends with no cell phones? Or, they, you know, technology... We had telephones. Yeah. I had my house own with one phone. line. I had my own phone because my parents were sick of me. Did you have your own phone line? I did. Oh, you were spoiled. I had my own phone line. My was pre- it a princess phone? Uh, I think it was. Probably. I'm trying to remember. All I know is that... My parents were so tired of me on their phone that they were like, here, take your own line. Because <laughs> we don't want to deal with you gabbing while we have important calls coming through the house. So that's pretty much it. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, they have it easier, had it easier in the sense that people actually cared about their opinions, et cetera. But I think the technology was sort of trapping to them in a way. Well, yeah, back to your point about people caring about what they think um, mm-hmm. or what how things affected them. When I was a kid, we moved from New Jersey to Indiana. There was no family meeting. There was no, Mm -hmm. let's take a vote. There was no, how does everyone feel about this? And yet, uh, 10 years ago when I was getting my writing career started, I worked as a temp and I worked for this um, high-level executive. Mm -hmm. And he spent every Monday morning through Thursday night in Chicago, and then he would go home to Baltimore because his kid didn't want to leave his high school. In, in the Lancaster household, it would be, wow, it's hilarious that you think you get a vote. Right. I, you know, as an executive recruiter, teenagers these days have, have completely derailed my searches because there will be a great, a great next step for an executive, a logical next step in that person's career, and they won't take it because little Mary doesn't want to transfer out of her junior year in high school. But maybe with all the pressure on them, it really is that much harder. It is. I mean, we didn't have all that bullying. Um, well, okay. So maybe we had bullying, but we handled it a lot differently. And the momentum stopped because there was no technology to further it. It didn't the follow you home. Day. Exactly. 
I mean, once you got home, you know, might be, you didn't have a brother. Like my brother was mean to me, but then I could just be mean back to him. Right. It, it, people weren't putting things up about you that could haunt you for the rest of your life and keep you from getting a job at Goldman Sachs in 12 years. It, which it can happen now. Um, that's, that's terrifying. And there's so much suicide right now. And you even right, wrote a book. Right, right. I, I, uh, I wrote, I have a young adult book coming out in the fall about, a, it's a fictionalization of a suicide cluster that happened in my hometown of Lake Forest. Mm-hmm. When, when my husband and I moved to this really, really pretty suburb that uh, where all the John Hughes films were, were made, we thought, wow, we're so lucky to live here. This is so great. Um, how, how great is it for these kids that live here? And then we, re- we learned that they're all throwing themselves in front of trains because the, the pressure is too much for them. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways, we actually are the luckier generation. I think so. I definitely think so. Definitely. So, all right, we're going to take another quick one. Break, that is. And we'll be back for Last Call. Stay tuned. So, you still here? Haven't visited us yet, right? Okay. Well, you have time, and I'm going to provide you with an incentive. If you want healthy, beautiful skin, just visit us at naturalsbygenab.com and use the promo code STORIES for 15% off of your first order. Once again, your skin will love you for it. See you there. Okay, Gina, it's our last call segment. I don't think we can properly address the whole millennial versus Gen X if we don't discuss the show Younger. I love Younger so much. You turned me on to it, actually. I did, and I recently just started talking with the woman who wrote the book that the show is based oh, on. Oh, really? Which is really very cool. But why don't you okay, explain to you everybody know. who hasn't seen? Okay, so Younger is about a woman who lived in the suburbs and was recently divorced and had a teenage daughter who was like college age, basically going off to college. And she found herself unable. She'd been a stay at home mom and found herself unable to get a job. She was overqualified or underqualified or hadn't been in the job market. And she was really struggling. So she decided to change her resume and essentially lie and say that she was 20 years younger than she actually is. So she's 40 living. Well, not 20 years younger. Probably about what? How many years does she go down? Like 15? Um, She in the. In the show, it says she's 40, and she lies and says that she's 26. I think in the book, it's she's 42, and she actually gets plastic surgery. Oh, okay. Potato, potato. Okay, I didn't read the book. But in the show, um, which you can binge watch, um, it's it's hilarious because then she starts dating a guy who is the age of... She gets a job, first of all. It's a publishing publishing house. Yes. And they get publishing right, which makes me happy because nobody gets publishing right. Which is awesome. It's a good, it's a great show. And then she, she gets a boyfriend. She has a best friend. Hillary Duff plays her best friend. Um, and she's living this lie, essentially. Um, but the big thing is she dates a 26-year-old. She does. Would you, given the chance, want to live a life and, and pose as a 26-year-old and, tw- and date a 26-year-old guy? Oh, honey, I've done that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so cute. No, it's like, the problem with dating guys that are that much younger is that it shows up in really weird ways. So I just, I just don't, I don't know if that's sustainable just because of the differences in the generations, right? Um, it shows up in ways like uh, they're always on the phone, like uh. texting, and they're not talking and you're just like, excuse me, I'm here. 
and they feel that this is perfectly normal or the things that they have in their house are not, you know, like we're used to real stuff, like good right. stuff. Cause we're generation X. That's what we buy. Right. And the, the, the guys that are so much younger have like, like I almost sliced my hand open once on this guy's like really paltry wine opener. He had a dollar store wine opener and I just didn't know how bad those things were until I almost cut my hand wide open. I mean, so it's stuff like that. And I don't know that that would be something. Although, real, a real quick uh-huh. aside about wine. I was at Trader Joe's last week buying my usual screw tops. Uh-huh. And I was laughing <laughs> with the cashier saying, oh, yeah, I buy the screw tops. I don't know why. I can't just get the ones with the corks in them. And the girl laughed and said, ha, 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 my mom does that. And I thought, I have a knife in my bag. I will stab you. <laughs> yeah. I carry a knife. I will stab you. That's how people get stabbed at Trader Joe's. Uh-huh. Bitch, I will take but, you out. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. I think. I think... Given the chance to go to Cougar Town, I would go literally to Cougar Town. I would go to Cougar Town, which is a town where they have cougars, and I would adopt a bunch of cougars, and I would bring them to my house, and I would let them all maul me to death before I would date someone 26. Honest to God. It depends on where you are in your life. So I have friends. I'm not there. <laughs> well, you're not, you you're not going to be this person that I described. So I have friends that have gone through breakups, and younger guys will approach them, and I'm always like, go for it, because... It's a great boost to your ego, for one, um, and you get to like get into a different demographic and see how other people live, and, and it's just something new to expose yourself to, and then it'll actually make you yeah, wish for Yeah, I haven't slept on a futon in 20 years. I'd like to give that a shot again. <laughs> and that's exactly what you'll be doing. It'll be like an air mattress or something, because they just Ugh. simply do not give a shit. But yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah. So, but it'll make you wish for men your own age. That's the other thing too. So you'll you'll come back really or, quickly. Or very very large jungle cats, like a whole house full of them. Anyway. All right. Everyone's got their thing. Um, so... <laughs> okay. So What's your... my my final thought on this whole debate is that millennials do deserve their due, just not at Generation X's expense. No. I agree. Don't overlook us. We have all the money. We have all the money. All of it. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, we have more spending power than any other generation, period. We are more brand loyal. We are more likely to purchase luxury products. And, you know, I know this for a fact because I do. Luxury products like Natural by Gina B, which are surprisingly affordable. Surprisingly, (laughs) but they are a luxury feel. But high quality. Extremely. We are also much more likely to travel for pleasure, and that's something that we will address in a future podcast. So I was right. Marketers should woo us. They absolutely should. And you would be willing to take our podcast on the road if, say, the Four Seasons wanted to send us to, you know, Maui or Tahiti. Yes? Let me think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I think we could do it. (laughs) So here's what I propose. I propose that we try to get along. I propose that Generation X and Millennials reach across the aisle and we learn each other's language. Okay, if you guys lighten it up, then maybe we'll tone it down. I think that if we team up, we can go after who really deserves our scorn, and that is baby boomers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Thanks to DJ Lee Farmer for mastering the mix and providing our music, and thanks to Naturals by Gina B for sponsoring our program. And you can find us online... JenLancaster.com. IamGinaB.com. On next week's podcast, our topic is I knew you were the one for me when, and now you don't have to go home. But you got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs>